That's so f***ing 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 f***ed cool. And welcome to the behind the scenes Q&A, where I have most wonderful human person Kai, who's gonna answer some sound questions for you all. Hey Kai. Hello, every hello everyone. Hello everybody. How's it going? We're gonna talk. We're gonna we're gonna talk about sound. Uh, so anyway, would you like a f question? Yeah, let's do a f question. Can Kai please talk about the weird little tonal stuff underneath the audio that they mentioned as part of the sound design? Yes, I can. Um, so the weird little tonal stuff uh, was um, a sort of attempt to. I kind of was. We we had a discussion I think very early on about like various sonic motifs that we would use to suggest things um and you know with this other sort of parallel dialogue that's happening that you know is suggesting that there are other people you know perceiving and then there are like mirrors of these people um just this idea of the room that they are in whilst perceiving ethics um kind of being a space in itself and uh, a really interesting uh, sound arts performance by Alvin Lucia is called I Am Sitting in a Room, where um, he records himself saying this uh, sort of speech. I think it's like a couple sentences. It's like a short paragraph. Um, and then plays that back into the room that he's recording in and then records that being played back out again. And then just does that over and over for like, I think it's like 40, 50 minute long piece. Um and it starts off and then it's like uh, eventually you kind of just, I think relatively quickly, it's like a majority of it, you don't even hear words anymore. Um, and it just becomes these really lovely like tones, this tonal stuff. Um, so he's just, you know, using the resonant frequencies of a room that he's in. Um, and so I was not as, um, you know, I didn't have like the setup for that kind of thing. Um, and also it just isn't like super, what's it called? Um, like sustainable to do it in that way so then you can sort of do a cheat thing where there is a, a thing called a resonator on uh, ableton um and if you put like six no i think it was like three or four of those in a row um you can then resonate certain tones so much that the speech is gone and it's just the tones um that you have sort of been uh, amplifying but then kept with the sort of patterns almost of the speech um and then basically when they're doing the horror stories the score that's playing underneath is just the the stories that they're telling but just resonated to a point where it's just become music um and then a similar thing where this tonal stuff happens when you have these parallel this parallel dialogue um is a similar thing where it's just the thing that they're saying but resonated to a point where the tones i think on them as well it's slightly less so you're actually in the in-between space where you can still recognize it but the tones are amplified on the speech um so yeah it's a kind of shorthand to suggest this parallel thing that's happening um which you know i think i think in terms of a sound only thing i think that shorthand is a really important thing to try and find especially if you're doing something as would you think it's fair to call i've been what i've been doing is experimental but would you say it's fair to call ethics town experimental because i feel like it's not it's a genre that doesn't exist do you know what i mean um i mean what what do you think i just i just kind of made some random plain ass and then gave it to Kai and was like, do, do something fantastic with this. I don't think, I don't think without, I mean, I think if, I don't think it's plain inherently. I think it's actually quite, quite a complicated, like, uh, or it's quite I an advanced I can, thing. I think I can and will do worse. Right. Well, <laughs> I hope that was, I hope everybody should go and listen to the Alvin Lucia track though. If you have the patience, listen through the whole thing, but otherwise just skip through. I think on the YouTube version, there's a track list of like the individual, uh, 
like times that it's repeated. It's f***ing amazing. Anyway, apologies. I feel like you use a lot of your good stuff right off the bat and this next question kind of steps on the toes of that. So let's see what else you can whack out there. Um, is there any media that took that you took inspiration from to make Ethics Town from Telfrin? And I answered this in the last one. It is Welcome to Night Vale and Ian Banks' use of weapons. So what have you got for us, Guy? I don't know. That's It's tough. I think like more um, musical stuff, um, like the the it's very subtle and to be honest looking back on it i wish i'd made it less subtle um but when artemis goes down into ethics and like she's walking along the street and then the car passes and then the exact same car passes in the exact same way and it does that like three times in a row um i wish i'd made it so there was less time between each one so it was more obvious and like made the crossover a little bit worse but like that kind of i'm really into like repetition in uh, like when you sample something, um, so there's an artist called I cannot for the life of me. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've just only ever seen it written, but Onea Tricks Point Never. But um, there's a track called Sleep Dealer that just has this kind of like kind of rhythmic repetition. Um, so a lot of the stuff, especially because this, I don't even know what to call it. This this the ethics is fake, right? And so then just making everything feel artificial. So I think yeah, that that kind of weird noise musicy thing but not so on the nose that it people listening will go. And also I think it's it's that thing that as well of like people doing sound, you just loop a, 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 what's it called? An ambience. But then this time there's an actual reason for it being looped because it's just uh, a facade. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, more weird sound stuff. Um, but I think also just the kind of quietness of the the forest as well is just always like inspired by just being in a, in the woods <laughs> like I love I love being in the woods and I love listening and mother nature my number one yeah my favorite media I ship the sun and the moon <laughs> <laughs> yes so that's my media you also jumped the gun on this next one I really did you dirty with the order of these questions oh god damn yeah um, I'm seeing it now as well <laughs> yeah I will say some stuff first and then you can like let it simmer are there any little breadcrumb hints that you placed in earlier episodes that you feel people might have missed from Franklin? So I think the first time round, just like script wise, I think people missed most of the stuff because Reese is just the most special little boy and nothing that he says is evil or bad ever. So you just listen and you're like, oh, this poor wet little guy, he's having a hard time. But I think most people then went in for a re-listen post episode 8 and were like, oh no, he's terrible, he's awful, he lies about things all the time <laughs> and like stumbles on every second sentence as he tries to cover up the terrible things he's done. And I feel like a lot of that got noticed. Like, Reese did a really good job. It's subtle, but you can tell that he's doing it for sure if you're listening out for it. Yeah, coming coming back around is always an interesting, like, uh, it's like, oh, you're a... You're a... <laughs> Uh, I think episode seven ever so slightly hints at what a couple of season two episodes might be about. I don't think you'd be able to get the plot, but I think once you get to season two, you'll be like, oh, they were talking about that in season one, and now it's come to fruition. I think, yeah, I mean, I think the 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 resonate, resonated speech stuff, like seeing it underneath the fact, uh, underneath like the, the parallel conversation and also underneath the um 
ghost stories, I think linking those two things with that sound effect, I think is probably the closest thing. I mean, yeah, the repetition of like the creaking, but also the fact that sometimes the creaking of, um, of the chair that he's sat in and the creaking of the shed, often there's like, you can't tell which is which. I mean, if I'm getting like, if I'm putting my, you know, my, my art brain on, it's like, yeah, he's part of the scenery. He's part of this world. He's like intrinsically you know tied to it um but that's me being like super artsy you know it's also just creaking sounds similar to you unless you can see two different things creaking but um i think that blending is interesting but yeah the repetition of like um the ambience i think is the most significant clue but it kind of does blend in with that being the standard but i think i like the, the idea that it has a purpose uh yeah another question from franklin what was your favourite moment to hear read by the voice actors for the first time? My favourite thing to record was the episode 7 library scenes, because it was like our biggest altogether cast scene thus far, and I just loved having the people there like bouncing off each other, and they all got on so well and spawned so many memes about Rasputin's penis. It made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and also like episode seven coming together generally like that was the everyone episode like it has everybody and it brings me so much joy but just the recording the very very first episode i was like oh fuck yeah that's my that's my little shed guy that's my little <laughs> fucking bastard man that's so good yeah it's, it's my it's my boy shed <laughs> it's my boy that i keep in the shed to torture he's so good <laughs> Um, I think my favorite was, uh, is, is like, um, I, I, might, I might be butchering the timing of, of it, but like the intonation, but it's like, right in the heart, ironic, <laughs> just good, very good. Is that the line? I think I've got yeah, it, up, but I like it. I'm a big fan. It's, 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 it's a, maybe a slightly obvious choice, but it's like, oh, you, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, the, the sort of one liner as you leave is so great. I love it. Oh my god, you know what I love? First of all, Griff. Second of all, it's not out yet. <laughs> but in, it maybe will be by the time people are hearing this, I don't know. In the Christmas episode, um, they have a line where the stage direction is like you're talking to a cat. And they go, well, you're a grumpy boy, aren't you? <laughs> it's so good. It's so perfect. I like. I would make it my ringtone. I just want to listen to it all the time. Which scene slash episode was the most fun to sound design? Ep episode seven, I had a delightful time. It gave me, a, you know, after, um, you know, it was like, oh, I can, it was a kind of also a, a moment where I hadn't been, do I hadn't been doing a lot of sound design because I've been working on Chain of Being season two a lot. Um, but then to go and sort of remind myself that, yeah, I can still do it. I can do multiple, I can do action sound effects. I can do footsteps. I can do people moving and picking things up and, um, and there was just a lot of opportunity to like, I don't know, to, to, to remind myself how it's done. Um, and yeah, I had a lot of fun with the library, like moving and then moving the voices in relation to where Artemis is going and going down the stairs and kind of different like ambiences of the different rooms and stuff like that. I think it's so like, it's like a sound designer's thing, but it's just like, yeah, I had a fun time doing the different <laughs> rooms, but yeah, like just, just cause of the amount of stuff that happens in it, I think is very fun um yeah and you just have a lot of little moments with with foley to kind of 
help emphasize what characters are doing um and it's also yeah you you know you get once i get to pan and do like spatialization in a scene uh, i'm happy i have a great time doing that what was the hardest part of creating ethics town is there anything you would have done differently if you were able to go back to the start i think i loved the whole thing i loved writing it i loved doing the behind the scenes I loved recording it. I especially loved handing it over to Kai and getting it back. My least favourite part is right now. Not right now specifically. <laughs> right now is good. Because I'm in a call with Kai. <laughs> yeah, um, you hate to hang just... out with Kai notoriously. Yeah. Um, Bad time. <laughs> we do not like each other. <laughs> yeah, it's all for show. I actually hate everyone yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I hate the... Between... The, like, the anticipation between the seasons. Because, like... The whole show is, like, it's planned. It's not written, but, like, it's done. And no matter what people liked about season one, it's kind of like, it's tough. You're getting what you're getting for season two and three. And you might not like it. Oh, no. Um, So if I could go back, I think, like, I'd make my first big thing a one-season show. I'm not having such a horrible time that I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to make the rest of it. But I think if it had been done after episode eight, I would have been like, ah, fantastic. And now I shall make one season of something else and never have to experience this feeling. Yeah, I'm feeling that right now. Um, uh, The hardest part, I think, no, I had a great time the whole way through. I I love editing this show. Um, I think this is one of, this is like one of the most exciting things I've worked on. just in that, like, the content is great, but then also just what I got to do with it. Uh, I had, I just, I just, I loved every moment of it. If I could, I think I could have done better with certain elements. Um, I think, like I said earlier, like, making some of the ambiences more obviously fake, maybe more towards the end. Um, or at least, you know, in that suggestion thing, maybe done a bit more with score. But to be honest, you know, the, the it's the writing I think speaks for itself and I think I you know I'm, I'm there to emphasize it and kind of assist it so I think more more score and and like tr- fun tricks and stuff I think maybe only would serve to muddy it um but it's hard to know it's hard to know without hearing it really but yeah to be honest this was like like besides a couple of times when I just wasn't able to do it because of like uni stuff or other things and I just felt bad but you know, you're like the most chill person in the world. So it's like, it was never like, I've never felt pressured or anything. So it's just like, yeah, this is like a remarkably chill, like, like project to work on. So I think I'm just so hyped to be um, doing season two. Um, Cause it's just like, yeah, man, I get to do more of this. <laughs> yeah. I do strive to be the most chill project. If I do nothing else, <laughs> I want to be the most chill showrunner. We'll get, we'll get you a, a plaque. <laughs> I will hammer it to my door and not get my deposit back. Do you have any future plans that you can talk about without spoiling anything? You want to go first? What are you thinking for season two? <laughs> I'm giving you nothing here. What are you thinking for season two? What am I thinking about season two? Um, so, right. There's this character called Adam, right? And then <laughs> we just do a re-release of season one of Chain of Being. <laughs> um unrelated no i uh um i wouldn't mind i mean it, you know there's obviously from what you've told me about there's more opportunity there's more perspectives and i think the opportunity to through sound 
make it feel like it's a unique perspective with each one just through ambiences and the way that the sounds are done and stuff i think would be really exciting i think um having more sonic motifs for different things i think would be good um i think yeah doing doing what we did with this one but kind of a bit a bit further i think would be really good um i would like to do some more score i've been getting into making music a lot recently and i wouldn't mind doing some funky funky things in the background but i i would really just have to wait and see what the script like dictates because i'm not i'm a i'm a big hater of unnecessary score i think really only use it unless it's absolutely necessary and that's why like ghibli films are so fucking good because they just barely use score unless it's really necessary whereas you look at like a disney film and they're always (laughs) playing something um so yeah I, it's hard to say without knowing what's happening. So you really just like just put me in, 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 in a position. Well, I have a very, very <laughs> short list of non-spoiler things. Um, in fact, three whole things that I can share about season two that aren't spoilers. Um, there is a small but very complicated time skip. You get to hear from way more characters and the town just gets so much weirder. Like so, so weird. Like, you think it's weird right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Shit's about to go down. Okay, this question we shared with the group last time, but it did come from someone who does sound design, so I thought it would be better to hand it over to you, and they would just like to know if you have any advice for breaking into the industry. How did I do it? Well, I made my own show, which was a um a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a whole thing. I started when I was, like, 17. Um... And then I, I went to university to do it. I think, honestly, um, maybe if you if you don't feel like you can do your own thing because of whatever, like you don't feel like you're confident in the writing and stuff, start... I didn't collaborate a lot early on. And I think start trying to collaborate with someone, do like a one-off thing, find someone that can write and just like work with them on like a short thing, like, you know, five minute thing and just experiment and, and work on that um and build up like a body of work um my body of work is chain of being um but i think having i've started to now develop more shows under my belt um just sort of show that i can do it you know with like things like super suits to chain of being to ethics town to um you know sort of there are various genres that i have have worked in so i think don't like i think as uh, you know if you can early on do a couple things just for free um you know like but don't take on major projects uh that like would take up a lot of your time that you could otherwise be looking for paid work like one or two episode things guest sound design stuff like if you can you know create a web i mean yeah try and create a website or a link tree or some sort of portfolio on soundcloud or youtube i'm trying to create this as like broad as possible just because like i don't know your situation but um yeah like just an exact examples of your work i think to point to um you might have to be doing dialogue edits for a while it's the thing that some people enjoy it i hate them but people it's the one like it's like the menial thing that people ask you to do but then eventually doing like sound effects and stuff will will sort of develop from there um yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know, that's, that's such a meandering answer, but it's, it's like, you just, you just do it, and then I think the mistake I made as well was I waited too long before I started trying to, like, charge a reasonable rate for what I'm doing, I think, you know, once you get to, I don't, again, I don't know what level you're at, 
or what level like obviously there's a level you're at and then the level that you think you're at which is usually if you're like me I think I'm worse than I am so I like undersell myself a lot um but I think you know you're doing a thing that a lot of people can't do um and people will be willing to pay you to do that um so you know you're worth um you're worth it so I think at some point once you feel like you've kind of developed enough of a portfolio yeah start like start charging early and, and don't don't uh, undersell yourself but yeah i mean keep it out for things sometimes like new projects and just interact with people and collaborate and kind of try and like you have to like present yourself as a sound designer you can't just like offer the services without you as a person behind it because you know people need to work with you for stuff um so yeah there was a lot of things in there i hope that was helpful um i <laughs> hope that was something that was very nice thank you what is the deal with these voice overlays? Who is that? And why are they most prevalent in the first and last episode? From a person whose name I fear I pronounced wrong last time and may do it again, Big Brother and I. Um, so I thought that by the time we got to episode 8, everyone else would be like, oh yeah, it's that. But a load of people I've seen speculating and from this question don't know. So I'm not going to spoil it for you. You can wait and find out when we tell you in the show. Uh, but if you look in the transcripts, there's some stuff in there that kind of like, I think, fairly explicitly tells you what's going on. But it at least tells you a little bit. And if not, you'll find out in season three. However, what is more interesting to me is how Kai did the cool overlay stuff. So Kai, go ahead and tell. Yeah, it's it's the same resonance, but just done to a lesser degree. So instead of having like four, like three or four resonators, there's just like one. Um, so you can still hear the dialogue, and then their dialogue is still there. And oh, yeah, they have a radio effect on them as well, just like slightly more than uh, everything else in the episode does, just to even like separate it further, so it doesn't feel like they're in the room. So they've not got any reverb on them, um, and they've not got or like like room reverb, and they've not got. Um, I don't I don't remember if they're panned. I don't think they are. So they really just are like just done in a way that they are meant to feel very separate from everything else you can't mistake it from someone being in the room because they've got this voice effect and the radio filter um so yeah that's that's what the sort of approach was to them just to really make the point that this isn't someone having a conversation with the other people there shows made to imitate radio always have such a specific vibe and feel to them how did you decide on the vibe of the show oh man we we discussed for a, a, a weirdly long amount of time what the radio <laughs> filter was going to be over everything and, and how much it was going to um, like factor into it. I mean, I my ear for like distortion and, and sort of bad audio is... is um, I like it more than most people, so I think some of the earlier ones were like extraordinarily f***. Um, but I think there is there was a sort of happy compromise we met. And also the distortion and the radio filter does like go up and down and, you know, it goes more up at the end, at like the last few things, um, which I think was a nice, what's it called? Like, I think was a nice uh, vibe because it's like you're kind of dipping in and out that you are listening on the radio. It is a kind of diegetic thing, but also you're you still you get that, but you also get being in the room with them uh, and sort of immersing yourself. So it's not too kind of pushing you back a little bit um but like radio is so um i was actually literally just reading a, a a like a thing about this like a text about radio and how it's like and that and like digital medias are like dirty <laughs> it's like the dirty the dirty uh listening and like the filth that comes with radio of like you know you can't 
uh, it's like sent away and it's not yours anymore. I mean, it's true of like speech, but when you're in a room with someone, there's still some element of control. But with radio, um, yeah, it's like you have the artifacting and you have all this stuff that you don't want and distortion, but also it's like it's it's filthy i mean this is like the, the they were using dirty in a very sort of abstract sense but like it's dirty and that anything and any and everything can have any sort of interpretation of it and the point the wider point that the thing was making is that all listening is dirty because there's no way to keep it completely clean of what your intention was because no matter what you say everyone's gonna have a different interpretation based on a myriad of fucking reasons um but yes so radio is very is a very you know and it's, it's iconic as well it's it's been like a thing for a long long time um and like it's such an old old medium and like so weirdly it feels more advanced than they should have had back then do you know what i mean um like if it's like wild that we'd had that so quickly um but man i just started talking about sound theory um <laughs> yeah i'll accept that <laughs> is that does that answer the question I just wanted to talk about dirty radio. <laughs> I mean, I love a good filthy radio. Um, hence the filthy, filthy, disgusting radio. Just yeah. rants. There was a version of the scripts where instead of like making an emergency broadcast or whatever, January just straight up pretended to be a radio presenter who was like <laughs> doing the news, and then he'd like try to do the traffic and like talk about music and stuff to pretend that he was a legit radio host and i think like i got rid of that one because it's less fun you don't get to hear reese cry every two minutes which is what we're all here for <laughs> <laughs> and also i think at certain points it's like half an hour long and i'm like there's no way he could get away with half an hour's radio and not play a single song <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can. I don't think I can get away with him pretending to be a radio host for half an hour and not playing any music. And I, I don't think I've got the money for him to play any music. Um, oh, it'd be so fun though to do, um, to do like a alternate universe where that is what it is. I would love to edit that and just do all the music that I have made. <laughs> like, yeah. So there was that original script and then i was like mm, no so then it got a little bit more like not war of the worlds in terms of theme or even war of the worlds in terms of trying to convince people i know they weren't trying to convince people but like accidentally convincing yeah people that it's real because i don't think anyone's think gonna so turn good. this podcast on and be like oh no <laughs> this guy's in trouble <laughs> oh i must have accidentally tuned into the video yeah but in a in like an in-world War of the Worlds kind of sense of like he's telling a little story and everyone else is like haha you're so funny and he's like no I'm straight dying up here <laughs> so there's that and also just like Rock FM the radio station I listen to at 16 if there's any radio vibes in there unfortunately it's Rock FM <laughs> I, I think it's it's better as an emergency broadcast from a, a like shared as well because like um you know, you get you get some of that that rawness. Okay, we've now unfortunately gotten to the point in this Q and A where you've answered all of your good good sound questions, and now I have to talk. 
which is horrible. <laughs> so if at any point <laughs> you want to make some shit <laughs> about the question, <laughs> do you want to answer every That's... question first in like one sentence and <laughs> just like, yeah, we'll see abs- what yeah, you let's have do to that. say about it. I wonder if I, could, if I should guess what your answer is. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're... No, we're playing the newlyweds game. <laughs> These are the questions. Yeah, cool, 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 and cool. And you have cool. to say what I'm going right. to say. That's funny. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. From Franklin, what was January's purpose with convincing Artemis of the simulation? Was he trying? What was he trying to achieve by keeping her away from the town, but convincing her of the simulation? Um, I think... Well, I mean... Oh, f- actually, yeah. I guess originally it was like a trying to try and be good, kind of, by keeping the person. Well, he's not good though, is he? Uh, by 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 sort of saving this kid and then convincing that it was a simulation was like, I need someone else to believe me and be on my side with this. That's why I watch like Sex and the City two with people all the time because I need other people to believe that it's as bad as it is. It's just like Sex and the City two. <laughs> That's not going to be your answer, but I, that's my Actually, attempt. what I have written down here is um, it's a parody of Sex and the City 2. <laughs> what, what the f- Yeah, I haven't been mentioning it because it's clearly such an obvious rip-off. Um, but I really <laughs> heavily drew from Sex and the City 2 to write the show. <laughs> so, you weren't, like, not there. But you weren't there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah. January wasn't- Story of my life trying to convince Artemis of anything, really. Everything he does is a little bit of villainy mixed with just so, so much mental illness. Like, he is so genuinely very unwell and he knows it and he has tried to talk to other people about it. And as people tend to do when you are an adult man who tells people they're very unwell, they're like, oh, no, it's fine. You're an adult, take care of yourself. Yeah, so he was literally just, like, telling her about it. Unfortunately, in a very stressed out and panicked kind of way, the same way he does everything. (laughs) But he wasn't, like... He didn't have any nefarious intentions there. He really just discovered this horrible thing, had no one to talk to about it, and was like, ah, my shed child, she'll tell you. (laughs) And originally, he was keeping her in the shed because he hoped that someone would hear the broadcast, come to the town, be like, oh, something terrible has happened here, we heard about it. Hi, Mr. Mayor, we're gonna shuffle you back off to Oxford where you can live a nice, quiet little life. And he'd be like, oh, I don't really know what's happening, but that sounds great to me. And then someone would collect Artemis and they'd take her home and it would all be fine. But then, as time went on, he was like, oh, well... No one's coming. We've gotten to a point where if anyone's listening, they would probably definitely know who I am. But it seems like nobody is. I guess I'm gonna be a terrible person. And now I need to keep this child in the shed so she doesn't grass me up. Okay, a question I know how to answer, thank God, also from Franklin. Thank you. Why the names Artemis in January? Do they hold some secret clues? Um, uh, uh, Artemis... Uh, because you were trying to come up with the names of the two main characters and you saw someone fire a bow <laughs> as you were coming up with the names and it was, and it was also January when you were doing it. Perfect. Spot on. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, Artemis doesn't have as much depth 
to it as January. Obviously, there is a lot of lore surrounding the goddess, but it's mostly just because she's the goddess of the forest, and that's where Artemis is hanging out, spending her time. She's also, like, a very outdoorsy kid, so it's not, like, total left field, here's a name that means nothing to you. Um, January is named after Janus, the god of new beginnings, and also the god of being a two-faced little bitch. Hmm. <laughs> by which i mean he was kind of fine he just happens to have two faces uh but in the roman alphabet there's no letter j so his name was spelled janus with an i which is where we get in from oh that's banging sexy hell yeah so obviously in that situation january was named first and then i kind of worked back to get his human person name were there any famous ethical problems you wanted to explore in the plot but couldn't because of time constraints from Ellis? Um, I'm just going to talk about the... I, I did I did philosophy A-level and... Uh, well, it was philosophy and religion, which is like a whole thing. Um, the one I hated the most... It was like... It's like, it's like not a famous one or one of the basic ones, but my teacher, who I was not very... Who was a bit sh- He was bad. It was like I had a slew of teachers. The last one I had was great. Anyway, um, but it, it, one of the things it was like oh, well, you know, what if you have an old woman and a baby and you're like, and you've, you've, you're all walking on a mountain together and you fall off the cliff and then you're holding on to the old lady and the baby, who do you let go? It's like, I could, first of all, if, if you get into that situation, I think it's, you're just like, life is over. But also like, I could easily pull up a baby and an old woman. I'm not like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that pissed me off. Fuck that teacher. He was an asshole. Weirdly right wing for a, the school that I went to as well, considering. Anyway, sorry. So you desperately want that one in season two, yes? Yeah, yeah. So we need we need an old lady and a baby <laughs> to go on a walk together. Okay, so that one was kind of way off, not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the thing is, there are like, there's 16 more planned episodes, of which at least 14 are some kind of ethical dilemma. So anything I couldn't fit into episode into episode yeah i crammed everything into episode one everything i couldn't fit into season one is going to happen in season two and three if i wanted it to um so i don't really want to jump the gun there however it's something that almost happened in season one that i think would have been really cool but would have made no sense with the trajectory of the current plot is that there was an is it ethical to kill zombies episode in which um, there was effectively, there was an annual zombie apocalypse in ethics. So sometime, I I guess, the show's taking place in summer, I guess summerween, sure. <laughs> then all the people who had been buried kind of came back to life and walked around the town. And every year there was an ethical debate over whether it was all right to mow them down violently with a pitchfork or if you just kind of let them do their business and put them back because they weren't hurting anyone. They were just disgusting corpses that were wandering around the town. And obviously that would mean Artemis's mum, who was buried in the cemetery in ethics, would also come back to quite literally haunt Ian, which would have been a very pleasant time for him. I think it was definitely a good move to not have that happen, but have him rebury her body anyway, because we got like the we got the emotional toll it had on him without the wacky zombie hijinks. And I think <laughs> that made the emotional toll 
Better. <laughs> Better is the word. Thanks for a great first season. I was hooked from start to end. How do you decide which dilemmas slash philosophical conundrums to include? Dartboard. <laughs> Honestly, that would be so good. It would make everything <laughs> so much easier for me. Um, so there is actually a very specific... It's also very specific to, like, North West England. <laughs> Specifically the one college I went to in the northwest of England. <laughs> but I saying it out loud would definitely spoil something in season three. So hopefully yeah. I will remember this and come back around. There's gonna be a lot of people trying to Google like which college I went to now and find out about <laughs> it. It's nothing to do with the actual college. It's more like what we did while I was there, which sounds <laughs> like I was in some kind of philosophy cult, <laughs> which isn't not the case. <laughs> Um, Hell. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was just like some stuff we did. <laughs> I'm making this so I'm making this so bad. Some things we're not allowed okay. to talk about legally. We took a specific course, um, and it it correlates to that. <laughs> um, and we'll hopefully get around to it in season three. Um, but aside from that, I mostly kept it quite simple for season one. Um, Unfortunately, and not on purpose, um, my major is metaphysics. I did not wish to major in metaphysics, it just turned out that way. Um, so <laughs> I put my major, maybe not to good use, but to use in the next <laughs> few seasons, and we really, really get into some like complicated temporal mechanics, hopefully in a way that doesn't grind anybody's gears too much. Um, but temporal mechanics is a beast and i didn't want to like we we get episode five i'd say touches on temporal mechanics as a concept um season two episode six is just straight up like how does time function <laughs> and i'm really i'm really hoping it's fun enough and we talk about <laughs> pumpkin patches in Mount Sterling enough <laughs> to keep everybody's interest. So not dartboard then? Alas, no. But god, I wish. So far, the ethical dilemmas and ethics have remained within the broad realm of realism, even if the universe bends to facilitate them. In future seasons, will this remain the case, or do you plan to push the bounds into more magical or inexplicable thought experiments, like Swamp Man and such, from Hawaiian Short Crow? Um, you, I mean, you just mentioned zombies in the last one and you said a thing to me earlier so it, i mean it seems like they're gonna get up. <laughs> they're it's definitely gonna get more up i think it doesn't quite get into like fantasy territory like quite a few philosophical thought experiments will be like you're in this magical little realm and this creature <laughs> is here we don't really get into the magical realm with the creature but definitely like time gets absolutely weird um mm, i want to say sentient objects that feels mean to the sentient object i'm discussing it gets okay it gets a little bit victor frankenstein without getting a little bit frankenstein's monster <laughs> do with mm. that sentence what you will people um good luck yeah but time gets weird buildings get weird 
people get weird. Um, I think we get to see like the slow breakdown Ian has over the course of season one. In season two, all the stuff that caused that breakdown to happen has already happened, but all the people that were there watching it happen are still like pre-episode one Ian trying to be chill with it, but things are getting way worse and they're still trying to be chill with it. And they gotta get so f- weird to seem like they're chill with it. That's awesome. <laughs> so, alas, no creatures, but definitely much more f- up town. So f- up. Okay, this next one I've kind of like, I've jammed two questions together. Uh, they're quite similar vibes-wise. I feel like we can knock them out in one. How did you come up with the story? How did you come up with the idea for the story? Like, has there been a real-life event that inspired everything from Big Brother Nye? And how did you come up with the initial concept for Ethics Town, both the show and the town itself? Tell the people about my life, Kai. <laughs> has there been a real-life event that inspired everything? So, I fucking hope not. Um, the answer to that is not no, unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just gonna make up a um, joke one then. <laughs> This was a real thing that happened. It's a, a moment by moment retelling of an actual thing. Uh, all the names have been changed to protect, people, protect people's uh, anonymity. So the easy answer is I studied, um, I did religious studies in high school. I studied philosophy and ethics in college. I studied philosophy at university. So all the, you know, non-interpersonal things that are happening, all the literal like dilemmas that are happening I wrote about because I studied them and I enjoyed studying them and that's very that's very rare for me I didn't like I didn't like school I did okay in school I didn't even like university I just liked philosophy so much that I was happy to do it in my hobby time and I can't say that about a lot of stuff um the like the framing device was definitely like I've listened to Night Vale since I was 13. I read Use of Weapons when I was 16. And I was like, these are both very good. I want one. <laughs> so I made one. Uh, I just like... I I wanted to create a sad, wet little guy to talk about this stuff. Um, very, very, very originally before I even started writing it, I was like, this is something I want to write and record so that I can revise for my philosophy A-levels. Uh, we lost a lot of, f not factual, like textbook information along the way. And I was like, mm, <laughs> this is maybe not very useful <laughs> for my philosophy A-levels anymore. But a lot of the stuff that's in there is in there for philosophy A-levels. And outside of that, the sort of Artemis losing her mom and having no one. Um, I did not lose my mom, but just before I started writing this, I did lose someone who had been quite instrumental in raising me, especially when I was younger. Um, and as a result of losing that person, didn't really have anyone around me to like notice me or look after me at quite an important growing up time in my life. So writing about this kid who was just like stuck in a shed and only had someone who was having his own breakdown to try and comfort her wasn't too much of a stretch. 
So next question. (laughs) If all the memories the characters have are only those crucial to their background and they can make up everything else, what if they were to make up something that goes against the canon of the character? Also from Big Brother Nye. Thank you. I love shit like this. It's my fa- I love, I love, I love, like, <laughs> thinking about the rules of the universe. Um, I don't know. I don't think I, I understand. A, I think it would just stretch and find a convoluted way to do it. It's like whenever I do D&D and someone makes some, does some random bullshit or makes something up and I just, I just remix things to make it fit. Yeah. I want to, okay, I want to try and explain it properly, but I worry that I'll make it worse <laughs> instead of <laughs> explaining it properly but there is a proper answer um i might say it very slowly because i'm gonna try my absolute darndest to <laughs> actually like it, explain the thing so the the crux of it is they're not actually making anything up it just doesn't exist so when they recall something and there's a gap it's not that they're filling it in for themselves, it's getting filled in as they try to recall it. So they will have the sensation of not having remembered it before. But that doesn't mean that it's only happening because they're remembering it. It's more like it was always going to happen that way, it just hadn't been written yet. And it's being retrospectively written not by them, but by the cosmic horrors as they go back and try to think about it. So you can see in episode five, Artemis goes, oh, I'll try to remember my mum coming back. And January is like, oh no, I don't think it works like that. You can't. And, you know, obviously she would try to do that if she could and it doesn't work out. And then, so for example, January tells a story about like being a kid in a haunted house. Um, And if he'd tried to say like, oh, and... My mum came home and she loved me so much and she was a wonderful, warm person and she comforted me. Like, he would have been lying. Um, he could say that, but he would have been telling a lie. What would have actually happened is that his mum was a very cold, distant, unloving parent to him. And him saying otherwise wouldn't have changed that. He would still remember her that way. But he could t- he could then tell lies about her if he wanted to. But no matter what he wanted to have happened, he would always have had a very cold, distant mother. Is this making sense to you so that I can judge if it's making sense to That makes okay, sense cool. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense to me. In that it's it's not like they're just deciding things. It's just, it's 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 being filled in, I think is, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, even when the narrative isn't written, they're still doomed by it. <laughs> Inescapable. Get f***ed. <laughs> Okay, we got one final question. Was January being the mayor one of the points that was planned from the very beginning of writing the show, or did that show up later in the process from Kieran? I have to believe the answers. Yeah, it was always it was always a uh, uh, lying, right? <laughs> We're winning the newlyweds game this round. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that was like pretty much that was the premise of the show outside of um, AQA philosophy revision um that was the premise of the show that I wrote down um way back in ye good old days when I wanted to make a webcomic in fact so it actually I think it only I'm trying to decide whether it would work better as a webcomic I think it would be like a more shocking reveal 
as a webcomic because you get to physically see these two separate entities mm. and you're like, yeah, it's not the same guy. Um, but obviously, my intention with the webcomic was you'd never see January's face because he'd always have the e-cigarette and you'd have the smoke drawn over it. And you'd never see Ian's face because he'd always like, he'd have a hand covering it, he'd have the hat pulled down, he wouldn't be like facing the point of view of the comic strip panel, I guess. So that at the end you could be like, ah, it's a different boy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that, that would have been a cool thing to look at, but it definitely was way, way, way easier to just have my one wonderful boy telling the story. That is not answering the question at all. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that was very much always the intention, I think. Having a guy whose whole thing is like, he's talking about ethics, he's thinking about ethics, clearly from some of the things he says, he's quite well educated on ethics, he works in politics, like, at some point, even if it's the thing he studied was ethics is bad and you should kill people because you're a politician he still would have had to have studied ethics um and he just goes i'm gonna lie about everything that's pretty much you know obviously there are a few in fact very many ethical theories that are like you can lie in this scenario this scenario this scenario he lies in every scenario i don't think there's a single ethical theory out there that's like lie all the time you little bar it's great. <laughs> so I just thought it would be good to have the least ethical guy ever hop on the radio and be like, and now I'm going to tell you about the trolley problem. Ha ha. I love lying. <laughs> it's like, it's it's literally his whole personality because he doesn't <laughs> have the rest of it yet. That's awesome. <laughs> I do want to... I saw someone wearing a t-shirt that said I heart lying uh, at one point when I was on a night out and it's like, God damn, that's a good t-shirt. Okay, that is pretty much everything. We got one more question that was in the first Q&A that I'm bringing back around now, which was, how does it feel to be such wonderful, talented people? This question is technically for everyone who works on the show. And in the last Q&A, took this as an opportunity to tell everyone how great they are and you're not escaping this so Whoa. i'm gonna make you sit there very awkwardly uh, whilst i tell you that i love you so much and you oh. are a great human being Thank so at uh, the time that i asked kai to work on this show first of all i had known them for i'm going <laughs> in for like four hours something like that yeah <laughs> we'd spent like four non-consecutive hours together and i was like this person is so <laughs> cool I might die um, if I don't get to see them again. I gotta do something about that right now. And I hit the f***ing jackpot that they happen to be a sound designer. Um, and we got to work on this wonderful show together. But as I also said in the last q and I don't make friends easy. I don't collaborate on things easy. I think it took like a week before I was like, Kai is a good friend. Kai is a good, yeah, good friend and they are great and I want to talk to them all the time. <laughs> it's like fully. <laughs> Which is like an insane testament to how absolutely wonderful they are as a person. We hadn't even started working on the show at this point. I was like, this is just a amazing human being. Never met anyone like them. And I'm absolutely thrilled to have them as part of my life. And we're not even onto the sound design yet. My <laughs> God. They are 
absolutely incredible, mind-blowing, insanely talented. I listened to all of Chain of Being like as soon as we got back from last year's London Podfest and I was like, oh damn, I got myself like a fucking good sound designer. Like I wouldn't have cared if they were shit, but they're like really, really, really good. Oh my god. And then before like before we even finished recording, they were like, oh, do you want to like talk about the kind of sound stuff that we're gonna do? And I was like, yes, yes. Whoa, of course I do. And then I went on the call and they were like, oh, I have like these little motif thoughts. Can I tell you about my motif thoughts? I was like, pop off my liege. Tell me about your little motif thoughts. And now those little motif thoughts are in the show. And ah, it's amazing. Legitimately, one of my absolute favorite parts of working on this was doing the little dialogue edit and being like, oh, it's some people talking in two different rooms. And then I would send it to Kai and they'd send it back and it was like, a scenario in a world. It was like a story. It was real. It's absolutely amazing. I. It takes an insane amount of talent to make something sound so fake in such a realistic way. Like, Epic Sound is such a <laughs> fake world. And it sounds so real until you listen closer. And it isn't at all, even a little bit. It's so badly made <laughs> in a good way shut up <laughs> sorry sorry I was... sorry it's fucking insane the layers the talent it's incredible and now i get to see all like the other stuff they get to do like working on super suits and working on season two of chain of being which i'm very 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 excited for <laughs> and it's a fucking privilege to know this person they're so incredible get fucking complimented <laughs> get fucking complimented man louis it's wild i've met i've you know sometimes I, I sort of come across people every so often that you just kind of are like man yeah man you're like good to be around and there's just this kind of um i mean how, how sort of spiritual you get but just this meta like metaphysical just like clicking of like yeah i get it i get it i don't know what it is it's probably just i don't know something i got something going on um but just yeah you meet someone and i just working on you yeah i was just about to say i don't want to say it <laughs> yeah um, being queer and autistic is you know um but just like yeah this has been amazing and it's it's just cool knowing you like you're um yeah one of i just like a conversation with you is like unlike any other conversation like i will have with anyone else um which is always like great and i i value like you know like conversing with people um just because it's like you know human to communicate and uh yeah i just i just i just think you're great i like being around you man <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna turn the mic off now so I can go cry in my own time. <laughs> I'll turn mine off as well. Right, I'm gonna do my obligatory thanks for listening speech. Thank you so much for listening. I'll do. <laughs> yep. <laughs>